0: Please stand, and together we're gonna to lift up our voices as we sing him number four twenty two. No, not one, and then ten thousand reasons. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. None else could heal all our souls' diseases. No, not one. No, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He day is done, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus, no not one, no not one, did ever sing? find this friend forsake him, no not one, no not one, sinner find that he would not take him, no not one, no not one, Jesus knows all about our struggles, the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. And was there a gift like the Savior given? No, not one. No, not one. Will He refuse us a home in heaven? No, not one. No, not one. one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. Till the day is done There's not a friend like the Lord Service. I'm going to ask Kurt if he would do that for us tonight. Lord, I thank you for
1: this time we can gather in your house. And I do ask you again for all the different people that are uh, struggling with different health things this week, whether they had surgeries or are going through a battle with their with their health. Just ask that you would keep, uh, be with them, and I uh, ask that you be with the uh, service this evening. That we would honor and glorify you, and that we would all grow closer to you because of it. And I thank you for this in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Please be seated. Well, let's continue in singing tonight. We're going to sing Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine, and then also, His Robes for Mine. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. is peace. Jesus is crushed and thus the Father's pleased Christ drank God's wrath on sin and pride is done sins we just face. tonight. We have with us again Brother Ben Potter, uh, pastor of Champlain Valley Baptist Church up in Burlington. He's going to preach for us again tonight. So Brother Ben, come on up and uh, share with us what you'd have.
1: It's good to be here tonight. We were here just a couple weeks ago, and I was like, yeah, we're uh, going to come back for your pie uh, thing that you guys were doing. And uh, I got a text from John last week, and he said that uh, you guys changed the time. Uh, And I was like, man, you're waving at me. What's going on? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I am going to give me just a second. Okay, there we go. We should be all set, right? We all good? Perfect. I got this text from John, and I'm like, man, these people, they're like, this guy's going to show up, and he just looks like somebody who would eat a lot of pie. Uh, So we're just going to change our times because we don't want this guy stealing all our food. Uh, But no, it's good that you guys guys are making up for it. You guys are making up for it tonight, right? You guys have this... uh, uh, these 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 goodies and things like that. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Always good to be here with you guys. When we were with you a couple weeks ago, it was on a Sunday night, uh, right before Trunk or Treat, and he mentioned Trunk or Treat. Like I leaned over to Jennifer, and I was like, we're gonna we're gonna come to that. Sure enough, we did. And I was just I just wanted to let you know, very impressed with what you guys have uh, going on here. Just really really genuinely appreciative of that for our son's sake. Uh, but also just uh, genuinely impressed with what you guys were, are able to do with that. So I uh, uh, just want to let you guys know uh, it's good to have friends right in our backyard. Uh, I said this a couple weeks ago when we were uh, when we were here. We, uh, we actually live, although our church is in Burlington, uh, we live in Shalott. Uh, so like I said, we're really close by and it's good to just have you guys right here and uh, just be encouraged. Uh, by this church be encouraged by this church so somebody asked me actually i say that uh, multiple people asked me after we uh, after i preached a couple weeks ago where our church is located in burlington Uh, and i'll just say this if you know somebody who lives up that direction and there's no way you can get them down here to go to church with you here in virgins uh, we are champlain valley baptist church we meet up in the new north end of burlington uh, over in what's uh, the Robert Miller Community Center. People in that area would know uh, what I'm talking about. And if there's anybody you know up in the Burlington area who want to come down to church here, uh, send them our way. Send them our way. So I uh, want everybody to grab your Bibles tonight and turn to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 is where we're going to be tonight. A couple weeks ago, when we when I preached, we were in uh, Mark chapter four, and I was looking, and I'm like, you know, we're going to be in Mark five tonight. A uh, uh, very different type of message than what we had a couple weeks ago. Uh, but we're in Mark chapter five. I Want everybody to notice verses fourteen through twenty-one. Mark five fourteen says, "And they that fled the sw- that, that that fed the swine fled, and told it in the city and in the country." I know we're kind of picking up like right in the middle of a story. I'll explain it in just a second. It says, uh, it says, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish into Decapolis. How great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. And when Jesus was passed over again by the ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. Our gracious Father, I pray that as we dig into your word tonight, Lord, it is your word. Uh, Lord, the things that you have given to us here are are for our benefit. They are profitable to us, as 2 Timothy says. Uh, Lord, and I pray that we would find the profit in these words tonight. Lord, that we would... Uh, Lord, as we look at your word, Lord, you would encourage us uh, specifically specifically in this Thanksgiving season. Uh, God, uh, please give me the words to say. And uh, Lord, again, just uh, give my voice strength as I preach. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This past Thursday, I actually have another job. uh, I'm a pastor, and I also work another job. And I had a work engagement that had kept me out pretty much all day. I work from home most of the time. But this job, this this had kept me uh, out pretty much the entirety of the day. And I get home, uh, and I walk in the house... And my son, Nick, our son, Nick, he turns three on Christmas day. He's two years old. Uh, uh, He is just bouncing off the walls, right? He is bouncing off the walls. He is happy. He is glad to see dad. And I see this, this, and I'm like, this is pretty great. And then I look over at Jennifer, who's been home with him all day, and I'm like, I'll take him out tonight. I'll get him out of the house tonight. So I gave her a little bit of time alone, and so I took Nick out, and we I did some shopping uh, with Nick, and uh, I was like, you know what? Uh, before we go home, Nick, we're going to stop, and we went to Panera uh, up in Williston, I said, we'll, we'll get you a chocolate chip cookie, and I don't know what possessed me to look at a kid who was bouncing off the walls and say, hey, at 9 o'clock at night, you're going to have a chocolate chip cookie, uh, but that made sense in the moment, so i uh, we got this... We go inside and the kid's like, if you, if you know the, the the place, it's kind of like that, that. You've got these double doors back there. And one of the double doors was propped open. And uh, Nick, Nick, rather than run through the open double door, he's just like a ball of energy. Not even thinking. Runs up to the, the door that's closed and tries pushing it open. And I'm like, bro, there's an open door literally next to you. But Whatever. Nick, uh, he goes inside, he like goes to the counter, and he points to all the cookies. He wants all the cookies tonight, right? Uh, that's how he felt in the day. Uh, we got him the chocolate chip cookie. We went home, and the entire time, he is so excited because when we get home, he is going to dig into that chocolate chip cookie. That's what he's saying anyways. And when we get home, and we go up the stairs, and we grab something for mom, too, and we go up the stairs, and we take it into the house, and we look and say, Nick, you ready for your chocolate chip cookie? He says, no, and runs into the other room. I'm like, hang on, what just, what just happened right here? What just happened? This, this, we, we got this kid, this cookie, and he's been ecstatic about it. Uh, and he runs into the other room. What is, what is going on? And I tell you that simply to say this. Sometimes, and anybody who's had kids or has currently kids who are young recognizes this. Sometimes their reactions, Okay, their reactions, right? aren't exactly what they should be or what they would, we would expect they would be. And I say that to say, I got to thinking about it afterwards. I'm like, I wonder if that's how it is a little bit with, with God. He gets something for, he gives something to us. He does something for us. And by all rights and by all rational you know, reason, we should, be, we should be rejoicing in that. We should be happy over that. We should be grateful for what he has done. But sometimes, just like with Nick, you know, and his chocolate chip cookie, sometimes our reactions aren't really what they should be, right? Our reactions aren't as grateful as they, as they ought to be. Today's sermon and text is going to dig into the idea of Thanksgiving a little bit, but I want to just kind of talk about, more broadly speaking, the way we react when God does something. Good for us. Uh, a couple weeks ago, when we were uh, when we when we were here, we, we looked at uh, we looked at Mark chapter four verses uh, twenty six through thirty two. We looked at a at a parable there, uh, not parable. Uh, yeah, it's a parable. A couple parables that Jesus tells basically, and he's he's talking in these two parables about how I work, how does God work, how he operates. And he doesn't as much tell us definitively, this is how I operate. It's more so he's just saying, look, I'm going to do some things that are going to just completely boggle your mind. The way I work is going to surprise you. Uh, Don't expect to understand me. He gets done teaching all of this. He gets done teaching all of this. And then in verse 35, after he has just got taught all of these lessons and he's given us, a, uh, at least the way Mark records it anyways, he's given us a series of parables. It says in Mark uh, 4, verse 35, they hop in a boat, Jesus and the disciples do, and they uh, take, a, take a trip across the Sea of Galilee. Uh, up to this point, pretty much everything we read about in Mark takes place on the on the western side of the Sea of Sea. sea Sea of Galilee, that's all taken place on that western side of the sea. They hop in a boat. They go across to the eastern side. We, if we know the story, we know that they run into some winds and waves and a great tempest, and they think they're going to die. Jesus gets up, and he stills the wind, and he stills the waves. Then they get to the other side. Then they get to the other side. And there's a story given to us. We didn't read the first part of the story. We basically read the second part of the story. There's a story given to us in Mark chapter 5 about a man, and the story has been referred to over the years anyways. It's come to be known as the story of the maniac of Gadara. It says, Mark 5 verse 1, it says, and and they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him. No, not with chains because they had been often bound with fetters and chains. And the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. Wow. That's a mental picture if I've ever read one. He's saying there met him a man who had been possessed of devils. As you read through the story, you find out it was actually thousands of devils and demons that were indwelling this man. And they were making him just lose his mind. He's going around. He's cutting himself. The scriptures say uh, it's it's a bizarre picture that's given to us here. But essentially what the scriptures tell us is the guy, people would uh, try to restrain him, place restraints upon him. And he would just break them open Superman style, if you will. Uh, why? Because of the power of the demons that were in him. And it says night and day. That's crazy. With, with no, it doesn't say, you know, he slept or whatever. Just like all the time, the man was just ravaged by these demons. And they had, they had really just destroyed him. Then Jesus shows up. And I love the way this works, and you know, it's not really the point of the message per se. But I love the fact how, how Jesus does this. If you read from, you know, uh, Mark five down through the next few verses, what you see is he basically hops in a boat, goes all the way across the sea heals, technically it's two guys. Matthew tells us there was a second man here that Mark doesn't say anything about. When Matthew tells the story, mentions the second guy. But he heals two men, hops in a boat and leaves. I love that about Jesus, that the need of the individual, that one person's need, two people's needs matter to Jesus. Don't you love that? That, uh, that your needs matter to him. Even though it might just feel like this is just me, this is just my problem, this is just my issue. Jesus cares about each person and each person's individual needs. and So he goes across this lake and he, he deals with this man. The demons inside this man, they realize Jesus is preparing to, uh, to cast them out. And they say, Jesus, whatever you do, don't you know, cast us into the abyss. Don't send us out to, to, for destruction. Send us over into these pigs. Which, I read that, if you are reading the story and you have never read it before, and if you're reading the story and you're pretending in your mind's eye that you've never read it, that's really weird, right? Okay, so I'm gonna, these demons are going to leave the guy and they're going to go into this herd of pigs. And that's exactly what they do. Jesus says, sure. Verse 13, he see, he allows it to happen. Forthwith, Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, The herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine, and this is where we picked up a second ago, they fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. Verse 15, And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. I love the mental picture we get there. Right, there's a guy who's like thrashing and living in the tombs, and uh, you know, uh, just destroying himself with this. And that's the where we see him at the very beginning of the chapter, and now at this point. You know, Here he was, he was, he was under, completely ravaged by demons. And now, over here, a uh, little bit later in the story, sitting, clothed, right mind, completely transformed. You might be sitting here and you might be saying, that's a really neat story. I don't know that I've ever had anything that I could really quite relate to that dramatic of a situation. Yes, you have. If you are sitting in here and you're a believer... If you are sitting in here and you have been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, you have been saved. It's just like this man. This this type of transformation is what has happened in your life if you're a believer. We're going to be pretty much all entirely here in Mark chapter 5, but I do want you to jump over to Colossians chapter 1. Flip over to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. If you have your Bibles with you, Colossians chapter 1. In Colossians chapter 1, you say, man, I I don't know that I've ever seen this dramatic of a change take place. Here you have this man who was once destroying himself, and now he's sitting in clothes in his right mind. Colossians chapter 1 tells us we have experienced something very similar. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 says, I'm sorry, verse 13 says, Who, God, hath delivered us from the power of darkness... From the possession of the devil, right? And hath translated us into the possession, into the kingdom of his dear son. We used to belong to the devil, now we belong to Christ. That's the transformation of the gospel. That's the transformation that took place in your life when you became a Christian, when you placed your faith and trust in In Jesus Christ, it's as if the same thing happened to you that happened to this man. You went from being completely destroyed by the the devil into the power of darkness. And you've been translated and transformed and brought into the kingdom of Jesus' son. Jump down to verse uh, 21. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. To present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. I love the Greek word that's used here for, to, for reconcile. The word uses here for reconcile comes from a word that means to make an exchange. To make an exchange. Uh, specifically, it comes from the idea of making the type of exchange a, a financial transaction. Uh, while we were at Panera the other night with Nick. Uh, I'm trying, I've done this multiple times now, uh, where I'm trying to teach him the idea of what it means to pay for something, right? You don't just walk into you know, Panera and look at a chocolate chip cookie and get to just walk out with the chocolate chip cookie. Something else has to happen. We have to make a payment for this. So I'm like, Nick, hey, hey how about you slide the card into the, into the machine and he does that and I'm thinking to myself. I don't think he's learning this the way I, you know, I kind of envisioned it going. Why? Because when I was a kid, I'm saying it like I'm some old guy, right? Okay, but when I was a kid, anyways, and many of you can relate, uh, we this was before debit cards were quite as big of a thing. Everybody just paid cash, right, or paid with a check for that matter. And uh, when I was a kid, you know, my parents would teach me the same idea. They would teach me what it meant to buy something. You slide money across the table, and then the cashier slides an item across to you. One thing is handed over, another thing is handed over. That's the word that's used here in Colossians for the idea of what happened when you got saved. Your, the righteousness, your sin, all of your sin and everything past, present, and future that you would ever do, all of those sins, uh, it's like Christ handed those across a counter, and then he gave us his righteousness. So when God looks down from heaven at you, he no longer sees your sin because those are no longer in your possession. Those were slid across the counter. When God looks down from heaven at you, he sees the righteousness and the holiness and the goodness of Christ That was slid off the counter when you got saved. An exchange was made. You have been reconciled. You have the uh, exchange has been made to where you are no longer under sin. You are under Christ. It's a wonderful, wonderful truth. And to God be all the glory for that. But notice you're in Colossians chapter 1. Verse 13, it says, you know, we were translated, we were brought from the uh, power of darkness into the kingdom of his son. Verses 20, uh, 21 and 22 talk about how uh, we've been reconciled with him. Look at verse 12. Look at the context to all of this. Giving thanks unto the Father, with which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. What Paul's saying there is, it is an appropriate reaction. It's an appropriate reaction. It's an appropriate response. Because of everything God's done for us. Because he has brought us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Christ. Because he has reconciled us to God. He has made an exchange for us. It is just an appropriate response for us to say, I thank God. God for what he's done for me, to give thanks for all of his goodness to me. Uh, It is an appropriate response to be grateful. And as Nick illustrates, though, sometimes our response isn't quite what it ought to be, right? Sometimes we don't respond the way we probably should. Flip back to Mark chapter 5. Flip back to Mark chapter 5. In reading through this text, in reading through Mark chapter 5, what I realized is that it's a series of reactions are given to us in this text. Mark chapter 5. Look at verse 14. I just wanted to see a few words here. It says, and they that sw- fed the swine fled. There's a series of just kind of really you know, dramatic verb choices here. They fled. Verse 15. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with, possessed with the devil. And had the legion sitting and clothed him in his right mind. And they were afraid fled, afraid, verse 17, jump down to verse 17, and they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. Another reaction phrase. Verse 18, and when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with them. Another reaction phrase, and by the way, notice those are to the complete opposite of each other. One entity, one group, one, uh, one set of people, if you will, they're saying, get out of here. The other set of people, the other entity, the other person is saying, please let me be with you. I desire to be with you. Two completely different reactions. Verse, uh, verse, tw- verse, uh, yeah, verse 20, it says, uh, and he departed and began to, here's another reaction word, publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did another reaction word, marvel. So, I just want to very quickly give you four sets of people. Four sets of people that we see in this text. I'm only going to really focus on two, but I'm going to give you all four. Four sets of people who give a reaction, that we see giving reactions in this text. What I just want to say very quickly, all of them... And we're starting with the same information. All of them are watching the same thing. All of them are seeing Jesus do the same thing. Uh, All of them witness the same same miracle, if you will. And they all react a little differently. Like I said, four groups. We're only going to focus on two. The first group, though, the first group is the carnal. The carnal. The carnal react with apprehension. Mark 5, verse 14, it says, And they that fled, we mentioned that word just a second ago, that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and the country, and they went out to see what it was done. Now you might might hear me saying this, and you say, right off the bat, you say, Pastor Ben, I don't get exactly where you're going with this. uh, Carnal, what makes you say these guys are carnal? They're just pig farmers, right? They're just pig farmers. There's nothing inherently bad about these individuals, right? Well, well. here's what's interesting. Back in Mark chapter 5, verse 1, it says that he, was, uh, he had come to Gadara. He had, well, I'm sorry. It says he had come uh, into the country of the Gadarenes. In Mark chapter 5, verse 20, it says that the man wound up in Decapolis. Remember we said a second ago, Jesus had hopped a boat and had gone over to the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. This land that Jesus is now on, the whole place where this story is set is in a piece of land that if I were to show you a map with the Old Testament, who owned what properties and who had which areas, which tribes had which areas in the Old Testament days, this property used to belong to half the tribe of Manasseh. This, even though now it's known as Decapolis, a Greek term right there, even though now it belongs to a bunch of Greek individuals, this used to be, The property of the Jewish people. Why are there pigs in what used to be the property of the Jewish people? Pigs aren't kosher. Pigs weren't allowed. Pigs were actually at this time, just because of the way God had set some things up, uh, the people were not supposed to be eating of these pigs. They were not even supposed to raise pigs, if you read how the uh, Old Testament explains it. This was not even supposed to be, supposed to be present in this land, but it had been. This was a sense, there's a real sense in which uh, this land had been filled not only with unclean spirits, this land had been filled with uh, unclean animals, animals that were not supposed to be present at this point in time, the way God has things set up. There's actually more going on here than just, well, yeah, some demons got kicked out of a guy and they wound up in a herd of pigs. There's There's a picture going on here. There's symbolism about all of this. Jesus comes in and he casts these uh, unclean spirits into the unclean animals and then all of it gets destroyed. There's a sense in which Jesus is kind of, you know, in a sense, overthrowing the money changers tables here. He is getting out of his space what should not be there. Think of it. uh, uh, Some commentators have asked, you know, uh, what, how is it okay for Jesus to, you know, kill two thousand pigs? I mean, didn't they belong to somebody? Wasn't how, how is that even, uh, you know, appropriate? It's appropriate because they shouldn't have been there in the first place. This wasn't supposed to be part of this land. Those were not allowed in this territory, and so that's why I say this: Jesus, as he's casting the demons out of this man, sending them into the pigs. And then the pigs run over a cliff and die. He was actually doing something that it was at once very stern and also very, very loving. He was saying, I'm coming to clear away things that shouldn't be here and replace them with my presence in your land. You have all this stuff that you know better. You know this isn't supposed to be here. You know that pigs aren't supposed to be in this land. I'm getting rid of the unclean spirits. I'm getting rid of the unclean animals. And now here I am to minister to you. Uh, he was doing something that was actually... While we might think, look at this and say, Man, this is kind of weird. This is Jesus actually doing something very loving for these people and getting rid of all of the things that should not be there. But... They don't see it that way. Their reaction is not what it should be. It says Mark five fifteen, And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil. And had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they that saw uh, them how it began. To, uh, how, how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil. And also concerning the swine. And the, they began to. Here's another reaction phrase. Pray him to depart out of their coasts. They fled, they were afraid, and they begged Jesus to leave. Somebody said, uh, why are they afraid? Why are these people so scared? Why is that their reaction? Why is that their response? Old commentator named Matthew Henry said it this way. They were afraid of some further punishment, if Christ should tarry among them, whereas if they would uh, would but part with their sins... And had life and happiness for them, but being loath to quit either their sins or the swine, they chose rather to abandon the Savior. Their reaction, their response, was apprehension when they saw God. The carnal, that's what they did here. And you might think to yourself, "I, I don't see how that's relatable for me per se. I don't know that I would ever... Do something like that. And I got to be honest with you, I catch myself doing stuff like this all the time. I messed up, did something I shouldn't do. And I find myself, you know, beating up on myself and thinking, man, I just have no business praying, I have no business being close to God right now. And I just start, you know, kind of kicking myself for for my sins and for my failures. And I just start getting hard on myself and difficult on myself and just uh, frustrated with myself. And I'm like, I, I have no business even going to the Lord in prayer just because of how uh, just how how terrible this thing that I've done was. That's kind of what Isaiah experienced. Isaiah chapter 60. Uh, uh, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. The angels are going everywhere saying, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And Isaiah sees this and he would think he would say, yes, I get to participate in this moment. And rather he says, woe is me. Woe is me. I have no business being here right now. There are times in our life where our sin kind of just gets in the way and we feel like I have... I just don't even feel right going to God in prayer. My carnality now fills me with apprehension and fear as I think about God. That's relatable, whether we, you know, to be perfectly honest with you. The sad thing is the people in this story don't see a happy ending. The people in this story, we don't see them make a change or get it per se. But for you and me, I just want to give you a quick word of hope. For you and me, there is hope because first off, Remember, Jesus has paid for all of your sins forever. That's what we saw in Colossians. The exchange has been made. The transaction is complete. Your sin is forgiven. And if you find yourself in a moment where you're saying, man, I did that thing and I just don't feel like I can even go to God anymore. I don't feel like I'm worthy to enter into his presence in prayer. I just feel so distant from the Lord because of my carnality. It's just completely messed me up. If moments like that come into your life, remember what Colossians says. You've been reconciled to God. You've been exchanged. You belong to him. It's okay. Second, remember what James 4, 8 says. One of my favorite verses, it says, draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to us. He will draw nigh to you. You might you know, kind of look and you say, God's so far over there. There's no way I am so carnal, and I am just so fearful of. I, there's just no way I could ever bridge the gap, you know, just because of how how much sin has just kind of messed me up. I know I'm a Christian, I know I'm a believer, but I just have allowed so much, you know, carnality into my life. I've allowed so much sin into my life. God's just so far over that. I just don't know how I could ever, how the gap could ever get bridged. What James four eight says, it says, "Cleanse your hands, ye sinners; purify your hearts, ye double minded." And then what it says is, "Draw near to Him." And he, it's not like you have to make this long journey, he comes running to you. He wants to be with you. Draw near to him. James is writing to believers here, he's saying, draw near to him, he comes running to you. He comes running to you. If you ever find yourself having the same reaction as the carnal people in this story, just remember, you have access, you have the ability to be close to him. He wants you back. He wants you, even despite your carnality, even despite your apprehension, even despite your fear, he wants you. The people in this story don't see that happy ending because they just never get it. The second group of people, the second set, if you will, I'll phrase it that way, the second set, because this is not a group as much as it is one person, is the survivor. The survivor. This individual, this man who is redeemed of his demons and devils, this man who's delivered from all of that, This man, the survivor, reacts with gratitude. The survivor reacts with gratitude. He comes to Jesus. We're going to come back. And here's what I'm going to do. I want to see the next two groups of people. And then I end by talking about this guy. But in short, he comes to Jesus. He says, I want to be with you, Jesus. Jesus says, "Uh, not right now. I'm going to have you go out. And I'm going to have you preach. And I'm going to have you teach. And I'm going to have you go back to your own people and witness to them. And so he does. Verse 20, he departed, the the man, the the, the maniac of Gadara, the survivor, departed. And because, again, the survivor reacts with gratitude, he goes out and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. Here's a third set of people, the listener. We have the carnal, we have the survivor, we have the listener. These people who are listening to him, this pe- these people who hear him, it says, all men did marvel. And I love that. Just very briefly, we're not going to focus on this group of people, but I just love that what we learn from this is, there is power in your testimony. You, some people are absolutely terrified to share the gospel with somebody. They think, I just don't know how I would you know, explain. Tell them what this man did, do exactly what this man say. I met Jesus and he changed my life. That's what this man did here. So you see the listener. You see the carnal reacts with apprehension. The survivor, this man, and again, we're going to come back and talk about him in just a second. He reacts with gratitude. The listener that we see, the other response that's happening here is these people listening to the same story, to the same miracle that everybody else has seen. These people respond with wonder. The listener responds with wonder. That's what that word marvel means in the Greek. It means to wonder, to be amazed at something. The listener responds with wonder. There's one other set uh, of reactions I want us to see. And it's actually Jesus in verse 21. It says, and when Jesus was passed over again, that phrase is key, passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him and he was nigh unto the sea. Jesus, and I, don't get me wrong, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. I'm not saying we build a doctrine off this phrase or off what's happening here. But what we see in this example, in this story, is people said, Jesus, we don't want you here. And Jesus said, okay, fine, I'm leaving. I love stories in the Bible where Jesus pursues a person I love stories like the Apostle Paul who seemed like he had made up his mind back when he was Saul. uh, And he's breathing out threatenings and slaughter. And he wants to just completely ravage and destroy the church. Uh, and it looks like he is, has made his decision, but Jesus comes after him. Jesus pursues him. Uh, he says, you're not getting away from me that easily. He shows up to him as he's on this road to Damascus, and he, uh, he shows himself to him. And uh, Saul becomes Paul. He gets saved. All of that takes place. I love the story of the disciples, how Jesus goes to them where they are as they're fishing. And he says, I am seeking after you. In Jewish culture, rabbis didn't seek out their disciples. They kind of sat around waiting for disciples to show up to them. Jesus completely reverses all of that. Jesus uh, did something that rabbis didn't do in this culture. He went after the disciples. I love Jesus pursuing people. But in this story, in this situation, what we see, what we learn... Is it's not completely outside of Jesus' character. It's not completely outside of Jesus' behavior or pattern to say, if you don't want me here, I won't stay. If you're not grateful for what I'm doing, if you're not grateful for what I'm offering, I won't stay. Romans chapter 1, I will let you just, I will give you over to the desires that you already have. So we see a series of reactions in this text. The carnal react with apprehension. They're scared of Jesus. They're uh, afraid, as Matthew Henry again put it. They're afraid that Jesus might actually demand change. Jesus might actually demand uh, uh, repentance. The the third group of people, the third group that we look, the third set, the listener, they respond with wonder, the Savior. He reacts to their reactions. (laughs) As he reacted to their reactions. Now, I want to close tonight by talking very briefly about the guy that I kind of skipped over, the survivor. What does his story teach us? What does his story teach us about reaction, reacting to God's goodness in our lives?
0: We're about to
1: come up on Thanksgiving uh, we will gather around a table and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll you know, r- roast the turkey or smoke the turkey or grill the turkey or whatever you want to do with your turkey. We're not doing turkey this year uh, because everybody in our family hates turkey. Uh, so we're like, you know what? Let's do, let's do steak this year. Let's just do a steak dinner because everybody likes in our family likes steak. Nobody likes turkey. So we're we're doing steak for Thanksgiving this year. While you guys are gathered around your turkey. On Thursday, we're going to be you know digging into some steaks this week. We're going to you know watch the Lions. I'm from Michigan. I'm from Michigan. I'm excited they beat the uh, they beat the Bears today. They're uh, going on to play the Green Bay Packers on their annual Thanksgiving game. We're going to watch the Lions win for once ever. So we'll do that. Then Friday rolls around and it is the beginning of the biggest commercial you know stretch. Uh, in the you know whole world for a while, everybody's doing their Black Friday shopping, their Cyber Monday shopping. The craziness of the holidays set in, and everybody's going places and doing things and holiday parties and uh, you know all the Christmas shopping and things like that and all the travel. And then once all that's over, we enter January, uh, January, February, March. There's a term for this. It's called seasonal affective disorder called SAD, where people kind of just experience a letdown after the holidays, and they're just kind of you know, bummed out after all of that. And in Vermont, we add snow to the mix, right? And right before all of these things happen, right before the big commercialized holiday and right before the you know, crazy seasonal change and stuff like that, right before all of that, we have this holiday. Where we're thankful. Where we're thankful. And if we're spiritual, we'll do some like, you know, hey, before we dig into our turkey or steak, uh, let's uh, go around the table and uh, let's all talk about what we're thankful for. Give us one thing you're thankful for. And, you know, we do that thing. But it would be very good of us to be thankful people all year long. It would be very good of us to react To the goodness that God has done for us all year long in a very appropriate way. And the man in this story does three things, and I'm just going to give them to you. I'm not going to preach any of them. I'm just going to list these three things for you. He does three things in this story that are commendable. The first thing, and I would give these to you by way of just an encouragement to you first off, number one, seek Jesus' presence. Seek Jesus' presence. P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, not presents, like, you know, Christmas presents. Seek Jesus' presence. That's what this man does. It says, verse, uh, verse uh, uh, 18, And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. That word prayed uh, is a really unique word. It's a really interesting word. It's where we get the idea of a paraclete, as what uh, is known in the New Testament. In other words, it's a word that means... To call alongside of. I remember uh, being on the way from North Carolina to Michigan, on the way back from a wedding, uh, and Josh and I uh, were in the car in the front, Matt and Joanna, they were in the car in the back. And we're driving through the night, and we're in a highway, and there's nobody There's nobody on this highway. It's just us, our car, Josh and I, as we're in our car, Matt and Joanna behind us is there in their car. I look into, I'm driving, it's, you know, 2 in the morning. I look in the rearview mirror, uh, and there's Josh and Joanna, uh, I'm sorry, Matt and Joanna behind us. Just two headlights. Look down, look over at something, look back up. No more headlights. I'm like, this, something is not adding up here. This is probably not a good thing. And sure enough, seconds later, I get a call from Joanna. Hey, Matt fell asleep at the wheel, and he slid over, and he hit a median. We're fine. We're fine. But can you come back and help us? That's the idea of this word. Can you come over here and be with us? Can you come over here and put your arm around us and take care of us and help us through this? That's what this man does. He says, Can I be near you and close to you? Can I can you come and place your arm around, uh, uh, around us? That's what this man is doing. He's seeking the presence of Jesus. For you and me, I would ask us is the way we lived this past week show that we are seeking his presence? In his word, reading the scriptures sharing time with him in prayer, things like that, meditating on him, thinking about him. Uh, Seek Jesus' presence this week. Secondly, keep Jesus' work in your mind and on your mouth. Jesus says, howbeit Jesus suffered him not, and saith unto him, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. He says, don't forget where you came from don't forget what I've done for you. Don't forget that you were once possessed of demons. Now you've been delivered That from that. He says, don't forget my greatness. Don't forget my love. He says, don't, it. don't forget the great things. Don't forget the compassion. Keep Jesus' goodness, his work, both on your mind and on your mouth. Because that leads us to the third thing. Testify of Jesus to all who will Listen. Testify of Jesus to all who will listen. Verse 20. He departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Check this out Decapolis is not a city, Decapolis is a big region. Not only did this man go back to his home and go back to his city and share this with the people in his home and share this in the, with the people in his city and tell them and testify of Jesus' goodness uh, to all of these people, not only did he do that, he started going everywhere they would listen, all throughout this region. It would be like, you know, hey, go home and tell everybody uh, what God did for you. Go home to your place in Virgins and tell everybody what God did for you. And then you read the next verse later. And the guy went all throughout Vermont talking about, he went and everywhere somebody would listen. He, it says he, he published what Jesus had done. That's the New Testament Greek word for preached. He testified, he shared, he preached God's goodness to anyone who would listen. That is a reaction of gratitude. That is a life of gratitude. When somebody looks at what God has done and they said, he has been so good to me, how can I help but seek his presence? How can I help but keep what he's done for me in my mouth and on my mind? How can I help but testify Him uh, of him, of all of the good things that he's done for me? That's what it looks like. That's what this man shows us it looks like. To live a life, to react to God's goodness with gratitude. Nick ran away from the chocolate chip cookie. I still don't understand, he still never explained it either, or, or, or even gave us any reason to understand what was going through his head in the moment, he ran into the uh, living room, Jennifer's handy, I'm not, uh, I have two left hands, I just am not really you know, good at things, you know, those types of things like you know, do it yourself projects, Jennifer's very good at it, she's taking an old fireplace kind of screen deal that used to be in an old entertainment we had, center we had. And putting it in our new entertainment center. And kind of building it in there like that. And Nick runs into the living room. And he loves this fireplace deal. And Jennifer's like, he's going to love what I'm doing with this. I'm placing the fireplace screen in the entertainment center. He's going to be so happy. He's going to be so excited when he sees it. And she shows it to him. And he looks. And he says, no. (laughs) It's like, buddy, you love all of these things. Why do you react the way you do? And it just kind of was a reminder to us sometimes we don't react the way we should. Sometimes we don't react and respond to what happens to us with gratitude. This man shows us, gives us sort of a model how to react to Jesus. Don't react like the carnal with apprehension, react like this man by saying, God, I'm going to testify of your goodness. I'm going to keep you on my heart, on my head, on my mouth. I'm going to keep you. Uh, I'm going to share you to everyone who will listen. I'm going to seek your presence. That's what this man did. I'd encourage us, not just this week for Thanksgiving, but all throughout the year, to do the same. Our gracious Father, Lord, we thank you for this text. And I thank you for this uh, story that encourages us in our reactions. Lord, that as we see you do good things for us, Lord, we would not do as the carnal did in this story. Uh, and respond in fear, Lord, respond by, uh, uh, Lord, just uh, pushing you away and not wanting to see you, uh, you know, infiltrate our lives, Lord, I pray that you would uh, allow us and give us the grace, Lord, to be, to respond to your goodness like this man in the story, the survivor in the story, Lord, who just desired to be with you, desired to speak of you, didn't forget what you had done for him. Lord, I pray that that would be who we are as a people. That would be who Victory Baptist Church and Champlain Valley Baptist Church are as churches. Lord, we would be people who respond and react to who you are with gratitude. Not just this week, not just for Thanksgiving, but all year long. Lord, please dismiss us and help us with that as we leave here tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.